You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Welcome to part two of my interview with James Ang, a director at Old Capital. In part one, we talked about what's going on in the multifamily industry today and the challenges that many, many syndicators are facing. And in part two, James is going to give some really good tips of what syndicators should do if they're struggling right now with their deals. So let's get right to it. Part two of my interview with James Ang. So let's talk about this situation. Again, this is uh, just released on therealdeal.com. The the title of this article is, or the headline is, Arbor forecloses on $229 million portfolio, distress rears its head in Houston's multifamily market. This is a group called, you you probably know more about it, Apple's Way Investment. Uh, A lot of people in my circle know know this group. I actually spoke at Brad Sumrock's event um, just last fall. I know he was one of his students. So what, you know, what went wrong here in this situation? I think you mentioned it, but this is one we can look at because it's public and you probably can't be public about other things at this time. Yeah. I mean, uh, this, this specific deal structure, I think a lot of people ignore the actual capital stack in a syndication. And I think this is usually there's a 60 page deck and there's only one page on the debt Mm -hmm. and the debt is probably the most important thing. There should be 40 pages on the deck on the debt and, uh, you know, 20 pages on DFW, but you know, uh, so the structure on this, let's just use, um, let's just assume that they bought this entire thing for 300 million. Okay. So the portfolio was 300 million. He bought these deals at different times. So it's not all at the same time. But $300 million purchase price, he got 230 in the loan in the loan, but then he also got pref equity, probably of about 30 to 40 million dollars. And so it's 80 percent leverage plus 10 percent more in pref equity and then 10 percent in common. And so yeah. you know, not only do you pay the debt, so we talked about the debt going from three percent to eight percent, so that's one. So your debt costs doubled on 229 million, but then also your pref equity, you usually are paying that guy a current amount anywhere from six, seven, 8%. And then you pay them a crude amount of seven or 8% additional for 15%. So basically you had two guys. So 90% of your stack that you were paying close to 8% and it was unsustainable. And a lot of people, a lot of people sort of start small. Um, in the space, you know, they might buy a 50 unit deal, do that one full cycle, then do a hundred unit deal and do that one full cycle, then move to 150 and sort of move up the chain that way. I've, I've, you know, I've worked with a lot of people who, you know, bought a 30 unit deal in 2015 and now, you know, they buy maybe one deal a year. So imagine buying 3000 units in two years in 2019 and 20 or 21. And so just the size of the deal, I think just got too, too much. Like number one, he couldn't raise the equity. So he had to use preferred equity. So that's one thing. Um, they had to use a higher leverage bridge. That's the second thing. The third thing is really, all right, well, if I'm doing a $300 million deal, you think you put aside a million or 2 million for an interest rate cap, you didn't buy an interest rate cap. So it was just like, um, and the last thing probably was on property management. So he, you know, he was working, these were probably B minus C properties. And so you need to be pretty hands-on. 
Um, I'm not sure he uh, maybe he, I, don't, I don't think he had anyone in Houston really mm-hmm. that was sort of managing, you know, like if, no boots on the street. Yeah, no boots on the ground there. And I mean, I'm guessing the rehab on these properties, it was probably, you know, usually we want 5,000 a door. So, I mean, it was probably like a 10, $15 million construction project. And if you are just giving that to the third party property manager, it's going to be pretty difficult to execute <laughs> day in and day out. Right. So it's just sort of a yep. combination of, um, you know, higher bridge loan, um, a lot of pref equity, no interest rate cap, and then no management. So, I mean, we want to solve, we want to solve all of those, right? And yeah. we want to position ourselves to, to not be in that position. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of, in terms of capital calls, I think they had a capital call last probably six, nine months ago. And, you know, I, I, I don't think he got the money to sustain this deal. And so I think, yeah, you got to be careful of those capital calls because yeah. it might just be more good money going after bad. So that's uh, read your documents so that you know if you're required to do it or not. Um, The capital call means you have to put more money in the deal when it's gone south and you might not get that extra money, more money that you put in it back. I'm very cautious of those. Um, So this has been a theme and I would notice it. All these people bragging about how many doors they they had and how quickly they acquired them. And it just seemed like a recipe for disaster unless there's somebody on the team with much, much more experience. Uh, and I don't think that was the case or maybe, maybe it was, I, I don't know, but it seems like the, the bank, you know, the lender and the pref equity would have the experience. So what went wrong there? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of times when you're the lender and I mean, we experienced this too is there's always somebody cheaper and there's always someone with more leverage. And so when there's a lot of money in the system, uh, people just keep bidding it down, right? So they keep bidding the, the spread down. So the interest rate gets lower and they keep bidding the leverage up. And you as an operator, you have to know what is the right amount. And unfortunately, some of these people, they had a set amount of equity that they could raise and then they sort of solve for, okay, I can raise $10 million. Um, so you really should have just been buying a 20 or $30 million property, not a $100 million property, right? Mm-hmm. And so that that sort of, okay, I'm going to just buy the biggest property I can buy um, is is a challenge for for you as an operator because a lot of these people, uh, you know, these, these properties are very hungry and they need a lot of capital sometimes. And it's hard for you as an operator to come in and um, just sustain these if they're not able to cash flow. And so that's, that's, that's I think, people just went too big, too fast uh, on some of these properties. And, um, you know, the banks, unfortunately, um, just gave them too much leverage on these deals. Yeah, yeah, that's what's surprising. It's like, you and I can look at it. And I, I was like, wow, how are these people growing so quickly and scaling. I mean, I, I know what it's like to scale a business and to grow quickly and it's hard. You have to hire people. And that, it sounds like that was part of the problem. They didn't, didn't hire people to oversee, uh, you know, what was going on. Ah, oh, very frustrating. Um, and could happen and did happen to a lot of people and could happen to a lot of people. It's really interesting. Anytime that money is easy, like it was in 2020 to, to 2021, things like this happen. And then there's a price to pay. Ah, oh, very sad. So, so what's, what do you think we're going to see over the next few months or for the rest of the year 
in multifamily. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, when we're talking with investors, I mean, we're trying to get their houses in order, right? So a lot of the good operators right now, if they have any floating rate loans, if they have any bridge loans, they're trying to refi those out into agency, so Fannie or Freddie, into mm -hmm. five-year, seven-year um, loans just to sort of ride this out, right? So um, I think that's probably number one is sort of get your current house in order because there are going to be opportunities to buy deals at a discount. So this deal that we were talking about in Houston, it sold for under the loan amount, right? So, you know, a lot of people, I would, I think a lot of investors would be happy to buy it for the loan amount on these deals, mm -hmm. yeah. but this sold under the loan amount. There was no bidders. Nobody wanted to take the deal at the loan amount. So, I, I mean, I think you need to be in position for that uh, because I think you're going to see more distress. I think what we're seeing now is, this was sort of like, I'm trying to think of the best wording, but like the the foreclosure heard uh, around the world or around the syndication world is, is this, this is like the warning bell because I think a lot of people have been like, well, you know, the interest rates will come down or my NOI will get better. And, but you can't wait till this point, right? And so mm -hmm. a lot of conversations that we're having with investors right now is, okay, I might be a million short. So I took a bridge loan at 15, my Fannie loan's 14. I might need a million dollars to just sort of bridge, get a, get, do a capital call at a million dollars and extend my loan for five years and just sort of reset the deal and sort of take care of it. And then, you know, on the backside of this, we'll be fine, right? If there's a recession for a couple of years, that's fine. Um, but the people who are, I think, going to be challenged is if you've got, you've got too many fires, right? So you've got... Uh, too many bridge loans, too many floating rate loans, uh, and you just got too many fires and you don't have enough money to sustain all these deals. And mm -hmm. so I think we're going to start seeing a lot more sales coming up. And so pretty much every deal that comes on for sale, I'll look it up and just sort of figure out what the seller uh, motivation is. Because there's some deals that, you know, they did a bridge loan in 21 and they're selling right now. It's going to be pretty hard for those people to sort of have executed that business plan um, in that amount of time, like in 12 months. And so most of the time, those guys are just going to be sellers. They might not have an interest rate cap. They might not have um, just the liquidity to sustain the deal, or they can't refi for some reason. Or they just paid too much. Like it just or never they just made paid sense. too much. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're saying, all right, I can't have a foreclosure on my record uh, because then my, my life as a syndicator is pretty much done. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to just take this loss. I've got, you know, I, I have 10 deals that went full cycle and I did 2x equity multiples on all those deals, 15% IR, 20% IR. I did all that already. So I've got 10 and I got one bad one that, you know, we, we lost half the investor's money, but I'll make it back on the backside, right? I'll, I'll be on the other side of this versus if you get foreclosed upon, it is going to be very hard for Fannie Freddie for bridge lender, anyone to give you any money in the next 12 to 18, 24 months, you might have, might be three years, four years uh, that you'll be out of the game. So I think some people just have to make a decision on some of these deals in the next six to 12 months. But I can't imagine very many can be saved. I think it's just different, right? So, um, you know, I, if, if there is equity there, right? You have to make the decision. All right. Do I go now and return? All right. Return 20,000 to the guy who invested a hundred 
Do I go right now and just do that? I sell at a loss and move on. Or do I think, okay, I can- Oh, I see. Just put it on the market. Just put it on the market market. at a loss. Yeah. So so, so some people, yeah, if there's still equity there, right? So if if it's below the loan amount, I think that's a different story, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But if you can put it on the market, sell it at a loss, try to make your investors whole somehow- Somehow, right? Maybe not this deal, but another deal. And another deal. Or you make it up somehow. um, Because I think what's going to happen is if if too many deals hit the market at the same time, then people are just going to, all right, the whisper price is 20 million, but then, you know, everyone's throwing in bids at 11, right? Like everyone feels, everyone can smell the blood in the water or you see the blood (laughs) in the water, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what the right, I don't see a lot of water here in Dallas, but uh, when there's, when there's blood in the water, every, you know, all the sharks are coming out. Right. So yeah. that's, that's what I think you you sort of want to avoid that. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be at the point where like your maturity is next month. Like that's too late. Right. Like a broker can't get a package out, can't do everything. Mm. But if you've got a maturity in December of this year and you're like, Hey guys, you know, even if we increase rent significantly, we're going to be short on a refi. And I've sort of pulled the investors and ask the investors, hey, do you want to throw in another 50000 or 40000 on this deal? And everyone said no, then it's probably time to just sell the deal and move on and mm-hmm. just you know count that as a, all right, we're going to make sure the next time uh, that we adequately leverage and capitalize this deal appropriately and then uh, be in position um, on the next one. So, I mean, I think that's what we're seeing is figure out your current sort of schedule of real estate, make sure everything's set. So that you're in position to buy, right? Because I think the other part that we're seeing is that the equity, so even guys who are buying deals right now, and I, you know, I think some of them are getting decent deals right now. Uh, it is hard to raise equity. Yeah. And people are just, you know, every time you look at the news, there's something negative coming on. So um, I think you have to position yourself and position your investors so that when this stuff does come up and you do see a good deal, you're able to raise the equity. Because if you are, then brokers will bring you a lot more deals, right? Mm-hmm. Because everybody's nervous. Everyone's having a hard time raising, but you can raise, right? And you yeah. can close these deals. And I think your, your um, positioning and pricing have been reset, right? So if prices are down 25%, your, your basis has been reset 25%. Woo, this is why I love our little single family rental fund where we're raising cash and buying houses with cash and renovating with cash and getting 30%, uh, you know, discounts on these. Oh, it just feels so much easier <laughs> and safer. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I think if a lot of people could buy multifamily with cash, they would, but a lot of people, they just, they just can't, right? They can't. Yeah, I mean, no. even, so the guys, it was funny, like through this whole, uh, past couple months, you know, this one real estate fund basically put out a post and they were just like, every single one of our deals in this fund is 60% leverage with fixed rate debt. And we are not worrying about any of our deals right now. All of them are cash flowing. And it is hard to do that because you have to raise more equity and you have on. So on these commercial loans, when you do Fannie and Freddie, you have what's called a prepayment penalty. So you have yield maintenance or defeasance. And that penalty could be like, you know, three, four, five, 10% of the loan amount, right? But it, it, is, it gives the um, investor a lot more protection 
on the length of the loan. And that is where people get in trouble is the maturity on these loans and you, you know, your payment for the next 10 years. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's why their, their returns will not be on that fund. Their returns will not be three X. What will, what are they for a conservative they'll, they'll, fund? Like yeah. That? They'll be like 1.5 to 2.0 equity multiples, right? So they'll be in that probably 12 to 15 IRR range, 10 to 15 IRR range, but they are That's not going to lose principal. Yeah. They're not going to lose principal. Right. Yeah. And so that fund is like, look, if people want to be more conservative with their cash or with their investments, like, yes, there are syndicators who will promise 20% IRR on their deals, but we're not going to do that. And <laughs> uh, they're able to raise the money. So, yeah. Yeah. Wild. Oh my gosh, such a pleasure to talk to you. Anything, let, let's talk just one last question for the passive investor. What does the passive investor need to know right now? Um, let's start with deals that they're in that are falling apart. What do they just need to know? Deals that you're in, I would say you've got to figure out the plan. So mm -hmm. when I'm, when I'm, so I've invested in probably about 40 passive deals. Um, since 2015 and about 20 of those are still sort of live deals. Um, the other 20 have sold and gone mm -hmm. full cycle, but the 20 that I'm in pretty much I'm looking at, all right, what is your debt structure? So is it Fannie, Freddie, is it fixed or float? So Fannie, Freddie fixed, I can just put those aside. Those, yeah. those usually have a maturity uh, five years away from now. So I'm not worried about those. If you have a Fannie or Freddie floater, and the interest rate is going up and down and your escrows are up and down, you need to decide, all right, am I keeping this deal? And if I'm keeping this deal, do I just move it over to a Fannie Freddie fixed right now and just reset the deal for another five years and not have to worry about it? So that's that's what a lot of people are doing. If I'm only keeping the deal for a little bit, I maybe just do a refi to a, a floater um, that extends the loan, okay? So, um, that's Fannie Freddie. If you're on a bridge, anything with a maturity, I would say in the next 18 months, so in 2023, 2024, anything with a maturity, I'm trying to figure out how to extend that maturity. So I might go bridge to bridge. I might go bridge to agency, so Fannie or Freddie, and just get the maturity outside of this recession. Um, so if there is a recession, most people are thinking, you know, 12, 18, 24 months, and then we're, we're coming out of it, right? Um, the hard thing is interest rates, people are like, well, I'll just wait till interest rates go down, right? There's a recession, interest rates go down, then I'm all good. The problem is that your NOI might go down too. And so when Fannie and Freddie are looking at um, your loan, they're going back to in-place income. And if they look at in-place income and it's going down, they're going to use the lowest number possible and you might not be able to qualify for the loan. And so we're doing a lot of refis right now with Fannie and Freddie. This is the other crazy thing. The amount of transactions has gone down so much across multifamily because of how fast interest rates have moved. Yeah. So after two months, so do, uh, do you know what Fannie and Freddie need to do per year on multifamily, just roughly? I think you ideas? mentioned it, but they have yeah. to deploy a certain amount every year, right? Yeah, they're trying. So this year, their allocation is $75 billion, okay? $75 billion. $75 billion. In okay. multifamily. And so the first two months, Fannie Mae did a whopping $6 billion. What if they so, don't spend it all so, so they don't six, get it next year? <laughs> so six times six, 
you, you know, their run rate is like half, wow. right? A little bit more than half. And so they're trying to do deals. So right? they want us to do deals. So they we just want, have to find the deals. They want to do deals, but that 125 cover is on a 30-year AM. That is what is constraining it. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people are short right now. Mm-hmm. But what we're doing with a lot of investors is just sort of like sizing it up, showing you, all right, this is how close you are, right? Like if NOI goes up or your interest rates come down, then you might only need 500000 or a million dollars and you're out of this bridge loan. And so that's, that's what I think is important for a lot of people is just to understand where they are. Um, because I think like we're going to have a call with Neil and he's going to be doing his capital call presentation. And the, uh, most of these capital calls are failing right now. And the reason that they're failing is that people aren't seeing like a pathway to how this money goes in and how it comes back out to me mm-hmm. because right. it's instead of throwing money at that deal, maybe I just throw money at the deal that was just bought on reset pricing right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's, it's important for you as an LP to understand sort of, all right, if I put more money in this deal, how is it protecting my addition, my original investment, but then also how's that new money going to make money? Right. Mm, fascinating. Okay. Well, I've taken up so much of your time, James, you're fascinating. I, um, going to be, I'm doing a syndication mastermind. It's at kathyfedke.com. I hope that you'll, uh, be a part of it in some way, maybe a, a presentation because you have so much to offer. It's incredible. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Well, thank All you right. for having me. And if, um, you have any questions, you can just always, uh, Google me or email me. Uh, I'm sure it'll be in the show notes how to reach out and uh, I'll try to help you as much as I can. Thank you so much. All right. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. And again, if you are an accredited investor and you're looking for investments in this environment that maybe feel a little bit less risky, definitely consider my single family rental fund, which you can find out more about at growdevelopments.com. What I love about this fund is that we are raising cash, of course, from investors and we're buying single family homes outright. So we do not at this time have that lender risk or that loan risk at all. And because we're buying with cash, we're getting incredibly steep discounts on single family housing because of course, many people have been priced out due to high interest rates and we're getting higher than expected rents on these homes after we repair them. And the repair costs are less than we anticipated. So we underwrote the fund probably far too conservatively, but that's because I've been in difficult projects before. In fact, I'm still in some workouts with projects that I did 10 years ago. So when I'm talking about being conservative, it comes from experience from situations where, well, I wish I could have gone back and talked to my younger self. So again, I love the single family rental fund. If and when we decide to finance these properties, it will be at lower rates than we're seeing today and in some kind of fixed structure, five, seven, or 10 years. These floating rates just scare me way too much at this stage in my life. Again, you can go to growdevelopments.com to find out more. And thanks again for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.